the Chavis Alvavis has has basically dealt with <coughs> the application of trust in the second of the seven sections which apply to life and that second section is in the area of a person's pursuits to acquire additional possessions in other words we're not talking about the first theory in which a person is in the pursuit of establishing for himself his basic human needs but we're now moving into the second area where a person spends time and energy <coughs> in order to acquire additional possessions for himself and for whoever's around him and how we apply the concept of trust in this second area where we endeavor to create for ourselves the concept of additional possession and the basic theme which the Chavos Avavos is going with is that while in the first area of basic human need the, the person has total trust that, that that which is destined for him to get he will receive nonetheless he also has the fullest responsibility to create the normal channels through which Hashem will give him that which he needs in terms of basic needs and therefore he has to strive and strive very hard to establish those channels for basic human needs however when it comes to level two where he's not dealing with basic human needs but he's dealing with the additional possessions here he has no right to assume that his path is a path that's eventually going to lead to additional possessions who says that that was what was intended for him and therefore the Chavos Havavah says that the appropriate attitude that a person should have is I will do that which is necessary for my basic human needs and if it was meant for me to have more than my basic human needs in terms of additional possessions that will come my way through the channels that I've already established but I'm not going to exert myself and go beyond that which is normal to create for myself my livelihood in order that I should be able to make the quote-unquote the extra 10,000 or the extra 15,000 so here is a dramatic difference between area one and area two in area one I have no excuse of sitting back and saying it's going to happen I have to go out there and establish as much as possible in area two we go with the concept that if it was meant for me to have it's going to happen within a way that doesn't alter my normal way of living where I don't have to spend hours and hours of time and exert myself and sacrifice other things which would be done in that time and if it was meant for me to have it's going to come in an easier way than if I have to sacrifice than sacrificing other things and that's the basic difference between area one and area two and then at yes does that mean then if you are exerting yourself or you are giving up time and <coughs> that you should step back and look at it and uh, you know for that secondary that you step back and, and look at what you're doing that maybe you uh, well de definitely so definitely so but to, to be perfectly honest about it a person has to be prepared to step back and to deal with that in other words it, 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 it's not as if a person can say well if it was meant to be it's going to happen through easy ways so I'm not going to exert myself and I'll step back the person has to simultaneously understand that the exertion is a sacrifice of other things if the person just sets, sits, steps back and says okay I'm not going to exert myself if it was meant to me it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen anyway so he's just going to sit back and he's just going to you know, idle away time 
not accomplishing anything with that either. The concept of bitachon, that where we exert ourselves and where we don't a- exert ourselves, really boils down to not so much a question of how hard we work, but how we how we divide our day and appropriate time for different things. So in other words, there are so many hours in a day, and X amount of hours of the day are dedicated to making my livelihood. X amount of hours of my day are devoted towards Torah and mitzvahs and doing acts of chesed and the like. Right? And yet another part of my day is deals with taking care of, of things that I have to take care of right? in terms of basic, basic physical needs. Now, what happens is that if we stress one area out of proportion, right, so the other areas suffer. Right? And the point that he's saying over here is that a person that's a balbitachon, the person it has the ability to appropriate the right amount of time in each area. So it's not just a question of standing back and doing nothing, but the question is, am I appropriating too much time in this area that should really be appropriated in another area? Right? That's real. In other words, trust then becomes a balance of how I appropriate my time amongst the different requirements and amongst the different priorities that I have. And that's the way the person's supposed to see it. If a person goes cold turkey on not doing any more than basic human needs, but he does precious little with the time that he's, he's just now acquired for himself, he's accomplished nothing with that. Right? He hasn't accomplished anything with it. The function of bitachon is, is a meaningful way of the person moving ahead. So, obviously, you're, you get to first base by not giving too much time to an area you shouldn't get too much time. But if then that time is not fulfilled in, an, in the way that it should be fulfilled, so you're taking two steps, you know, you're, you're going back and forth along the same thing and really get, not getting anywhere. So the concept of bitachon is not just a question of what we of stop and have bitachon and it's going to happen by itself, but it allows the freedom of other parts of my life to develop in the way that they should and not be sacrificed for the way that I'm exerting myself here. You know, that's really what the issue is. So that has to be kept in perspective as well. I have to be able to see that the process of bitachon is going to help me in the appropriation of what I do in the rest of the time. In other words, just using it as an excuse for not working hard and it's going to happen, that's not the function of the bitachon. The bitachon is part of the total development of the person in Azavodah Hashem. Now that I have bitachon in this area, I have freedom in this area to do something that I'm supposed to be doing there. Okay, so this is basically what the, the Chavos HaVavos has set up to this point. And then he got into a discussion about people that exert themselves to make large amounts of money not because they need, <coughs> not because they need the, the amounts of money to purchase things, but they need large amounts of money because they believe that by having large amounts of money they will gain respect and honor from other people. So in other words, what they're trying to buy is not another automobile, but what they're trying to buy is honor and respect. And therefore, their need for excesses of money is for that need which they've defined for themselves called honor, called respect. Now, what the Chavos Havavis did last week, and I think we, we, uh, we squeezed it out completely last week, was he tries to explain that the honor that you're running after, which you believe is a product of having lots of money, is, is, is integrally a very false kind of honor and respect. First of all, the honor and respect that people that have money get is because the people that are giving the honor are expecting some, some greenbacks in return. And it's not really intrinsic honor. 
It's just I'm respecting you because if we rub shoulders, maybe you'll drop a hundred for me or something like that. So it's not really an intrinsic respect. It's just another technique of getting something. And then number two, he points to the fact that we, we become confused in believing that human beings are the source of our well-being. And therefore, I, I, I lick the other person's toes in the hope of getting money from him, not realizing that what I do and what I don't have in life really comes from Hashem. And therefore, to go through a false way of behavior with another human being in order to make money is almost like a statement that this is the only way I can make money by doing something which is not really an honest, honest way of relating to a person because this is the only technique by which I'll get it. Right? So the for these two reasons said that the whole thing is inappropriate. First of all, it's false honor. Number two, you're making a statement that you have to compromise your values and your, and your ideals and how you really feel about another person because you believe that it's only in this undignified fashion that you will be able to be provided with the money that you want. The money that you want, if it's destined for you, you can get it in a dignified way. You don't have to go through licking somebody's toes and you really can't stand the guy to begin with. So that whole, that, that whole setup of, uh, of, of seeing the, uh, the ability to receive money through false honor is a very dehumanizing thing and it runs contrary to a real concept of bitachon in Hashem. Very similar to the concept, I believe that Hashem gives me my livelihood, but I have to work on shops because it's the best retail day. In other words, those two things are contradictory. If, if Hashem is giving me parnasa, Hashem is expecting that that parnasa will be established without going against something else that Hashem said. To say, to say that Hashem is giving it to me, but I have to establish a channel that he himself said is inappropriate to establish is a contradiction in terms. And for that matter, any dehumanizing and undignified way of a person establishing a channel is a contradiction to bitachon in Hashem. It's a contradiction because you say that this is the, the channel that Hashem wanted me to establish. This is the way it's going to come. If it's coming from Hashem, it's going to come in the appropriate channel. So what are you making inappropriate channels for it? And this is basically what he dealt with. Now, here the Chavos Havavis, and this is, begins with the ninth line in the Hebrew on 334, the Chavos says, so now we have this individual. What is this individual doing? So this individual studies the sea. He cases the joint, as they say. And he sees that there are lots of people in this world that get their toes licked because they have a lot of money. So he thinks to himself, oh, would I like to have a lot of money so people should be able to kiss my toes. And therefore, I endeavor to go out and make lots and lots of money, and the more money, the more power, the more power, the more honor. And this is what I dedicate my life to. Now, so the Chavos HaVavos says a very interesting thing here. <coughs> Now, the Chavos HaVavah says, and this is precisely the point that I made before, and the Chavos HaVavah says, and what does Hashem do with such a person? This person has made the mistake right, that this is the way that he's going to walk the street of success. He want, if he'll only have a lot of money, he'll have a lot of power and he'll have a lot of honor. So what does Hashem do with such a person? 
So the Chavos Havava says that what Hashem does is, this is the classical rule, that when a person decides that this is what he wants, and this is the way to pursue that end, so Hashem allows the person to go that way. Now, allowing the person to go that way means what? What does it mean? What it means is that Hashem says, you want a lot of honor and respect that comes from the power of having money, and you maintain that the only way that you're going to get this tremendously valuable commodity of honor which you've identified is by killing yourself, go ahead and kill yourself and try to make loads and loads of money in order to get that power and pride that you're looking for. Now, there's something here which is very fascinating. If you remember, going back to the first classes that we had about Bitachon, the Chavos Havava says that Bitachon is also a definition of a relationship. And to the degree that a person throws his trust to Hashem, Hashem reciprocates in a deeper relationship with the person. To the degree that a person says to Hashem, keep your nose out of my business, so Hashem says, fine, I'll keep my nose out of your business and you're on your own. There is that, the, the concept of Bitachon is not just a theological concept. It's not, only, it's not only in the world of philosophy. It's a definition of a quality of a relationship between man and Hashem and vice versa between Hashem and man. And to the degree that we are willing to accept Hashem's involvement, Hashem's involved. And to the degree that we say we don't want Hashem to be involved, Hashem stands back and says, choose the path that you want for yourself. But the only thing is that in this mahalach, in this, in this way of working the equation, which is totally justified, because that's what you've chosen for yourself, what happens is that you usually put yourself on a trip of having a lot harder time getting that which you could have gotten in a lot easier way. Now, in other words, it's very conceivable that this particular individual, this particular individual was destined to get more money than his basic human need. It's very conceivable. It's very conceivable, but this person has made up in his mind that I need the money and I have to be on top of the scene and I'm going to kill myself to get it because I have to guarantee the power and pride that comes from it. So I select a particular pattern through which I'm supposed to get it. So what kind of a pattern have I selected for myself? The particular pattern, the particular channel that Hashem wants or the particular channel that I feel will guarantee it for me? I'm not going to leave it up to Hashem. I'm going to take care of it myself. I'm going to stay the extra hours. I'm going to I'm going to, so to speak, secure. That's the word, secure it. Right? Now, what the Chavos HaVavos points out is that when a person says to Hashem, I don't want to sit back and say to myself that if it was destined for me to have more, I will have more. I'm not willing to go with that. I want to secure it for myself. So what happens to that person? So Hashem says to himself, you know, you're, you're a poor soul. Because if it was destined for you to have, you'll have it. And if it wasn't, you're not going to have it. So you could have had the same thing a lot easier. But you're a stubborn mule, and you want, you're insisting that you want to secure it for yourself in the way that you know that you feel that you're going to be secure in it. And therefore, you're going out on this kind of a way of exerting yourself beyond that which is appropriate. So the Chobos HaVobos says, in the end, you'll only get what you were going to get without exertion. You're not going to get up anymore. The only difference is that you're going to have to spend so much energy in getting it when you could have gotten it without that energy. Now, you ask anybody in business and in investments if that's a smart investment. If you can get the same amount of dollars and cents with the overexertion or without the overexertion, and I put myself on a track 
that I'm going to get it only with exertion. Now, that's a ridiculous investment. Because ultimately, even after the exertion, I can only get it if it was destined for me. So I was going to get it anyhow. So if it's beyond human need, where I don't have the responsibility for the channel, if it was meant to happen, it would happen. And if it's not, it's not going to happen even with the exertion. So what have you gained? The only thing that you've gained is you've driven yourself Meshuggah. All that you've gained from it is that you've put yourself along the track of getting exactly what you would have gotten anyway, and you're only getting it now through exertion. So the Chavos HaVav says, think for yourself. That's stupidity. That's sikhlos. That's foolishness. And those are the words of the Chavos HaVav. Now we can see it inside and we can appreciate the words of the Chavos HaVav. And because these people are so foolish, in believing that the way to power and pride is through the securing of lots and lots of money and therefore they select for themselves paths that they believe will secure it for themselves. Therefore, So Hashem says, you want to be foolish? Be foolish. What does this word foolish in the Chavos Havavos mean? Foolish is when you can get the same thing without exertion and you exert yourself. That's foolish. Now you're being foolish. Right? Now, when I say you can get it without exertion, I don't mean that you're taking advantage of other people. Not taking advantage of other people. You would be getting it in a normal channel without taking advantage of anybody else. So that's foolishness. Now, so Hashem can say, boy, you're a fool. Right? I'm not going to let you be so foolish, and I'm going to give it to you without your exertion. That's not the way that Hashem operates. Going back to Bitachon being an equation of a relationship, if a person says to Hashem, Hashem, you're a very sweet guy, but I want to secure it for myself. So Hashem says, go right ahead. Right? But then it's your toil, it's your trouble, it's your exertion. Right? And that's what the Chavis Havavis points out as foolishness. Now let me just finish up the concept. I know there are some questions, but let me finish up the concept. And then the Chavis Havavis goes ahead and he says what I mentioned before. Now what happens? The Naplu Bishtavos Gedayla, they fall into the trap that they've created for themselves of having to work tremendously hard Okay? And that's Naplu. They fall into it. They didn't have to be there. They fell into it by their choice. The Yagiya Rabbah, and all their lives long, they're tied up in all kinds of, <coughs> of exertion. Now, now, a person can argue, and a person can say, okay, I could have gotten it without any exertion, and I could get it with exertion. Right? So I'm a fool for knocking myself out. But you have to make life hard for you. could have gotten it without it. So you're foolish. But the person says, okay, so I'm foolish, but I'm, I'm getting that which was destined for me to get. So it's not the end of the world. I kept myself busy. It's not the end of the world. So the Chayv HaSavavah says it is the end of the world. Because Because everything, every moment of time that's overexertion in one area is a sacrifice in another area. And what it means then is that by spending the extra time here that was not, wasn't necessary to spend, I've sacrificed a different area where I could have spent more time. So it's not as if what difference does it make? I could have done it with, uh, in a half hour. Instead, I selected doing it in three hours. What the heck? Right? It's not what the heck because time is a precious commodity for a Jew. And those hours that I could have well used in a much more direct way in doing a mitzvah and doing a chesed and doing everything else. Instead, I'm spinning my wheels, getting the money that I could have gotten without spinning my wheels. 
And that's what the Chayyim Sabbath is to say. So what is this person doing? He's leaving over the things that he should have done. And he, and he has to slow down his, his way of fulfilling his obligations to his Creator. And he also, he, he also doesn't leave himself the time to thank Hashem for the good things that Hashem has given to him. First of all, because he doesn't have the time to do it. Secondly, because once he gets himself into the mental set that he's the one that's securing things for himself, it's very difficult for him to say thank you to Hashem because he's working with a mental set that he's securing it for himself. So here he's securing it for himself because if he really believed it came from Hashem, he would stand back. So he puts himself into the mindset that he's securing it for himself. And then what on earth is it supposed to mean when he turns to Hashem and he says, thank you, Hashem. What do you mean, thank you, Hashem? You secured it for yourself. You don't really mean that. So this is what the Chayim HaSavav is saying. Number one, you lose out the opportunity of using the time better. Number two, you lose out the ability of really recognizing Hashem as the source. Because what you're doing is contradictory to realizing that Hashem is the source. There were some questions. Yeah. When you come on over to things that, uh, you've been talking about things that um, you don't really need. What about overexertion? How do you know if you're not... Like, you might be, need to overexert yourself in order to get the things that you need. How do you know it's not a, a God's vehicle? How do you know that, that it's not That exertion is not uh, Hashem's vehicle for you to get these things. That this is what you need to do. This is what He wants. Well, that's what the Chayda Sabbath breaks down. I'm not sure exactly the qu- how you're putting the question. Yeah, the question two weeks any effort that's in basic human need is not considered overexertion. Once it's in the area that's beyond basic need, that's when we get to the, the, the definition of exertion. So it's not the question what's exertion, the question is what is basic need and what is beyond basic need. Once we have those two things defined, anything that I do in the area of basic human need is not overexertion. Anything that I'm doing beyond what is basic human need, that already falls into the category of exertion. So the question isn't what is exertion, the question is why, how do we define basic uh, human need? Oh, okay. oh, but even the definition of basic need varies from person to person. So I'm saying, so if that's what the question is, okay, I'm just, redefi- I'm just rewording the question. The question is not a question of exertion. The question is, how do we define basic human need? So, so, then so what did I say two weeks ago? Basically, it's the same thing. It's different for each person. You have to sit down and you have to make mm-hmm. a so my, what do you need and what you don't need? My question is, let's say you've got medical bills above and beyond. You know, the realm of human bodies, but you have them. Is that considered a basic human Absolutely. Need? Okay. Absolutely. A person's chavos are his obligation yeah. to pay. And they're, de- they're definitely, they're definitely, a person has a big responsibility to, to, uh, to exist without chavos. And he has to do everything possible to erase those chavos to erase those now, now it's very conceivable that I, I can uh, have a talk debts I'm sorry that it's, it's very I thought everybody knows what Chavos so you all have them 
But no matter uh, what language. <laughs> what? No matter what language. No matter what language. You know, it's like chutzpah and service. You know, it's the the word that's common to all to all languages. But but the um, obviously even in the area of chavos, right? If a person has the option of paying back a, a, a debt in in one year or paying back a debt in five years, right? So there's no saying that uh, that the person has to you know, has to pay it back in one year as uh-huh. opposed to five. So in other words, if you have a choice of how you ha- how you can space out your payments, right, so there's nothing saying that it's wrong to space them out, that it, it's easier to deal with on a month-to-month basis. And that's just plain common sense. It doesn't say anywhere that you have to get rid of them as fast as you can, you know, and you kill yourself to pay back your medical expenses only to find that you've incurred new ones because you've killed yourself to pay back the first <laughs> one, you know. So, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to work with common sense. Right? But uh, no, any, any debt that a person has is... In, uh, in Jewish thinking, I don't know what Reagan thinks about it, but in Jewish thinking... I don't really care. <laughs> but, but in Jewish thinking, a chav is, is, is something that if a person can avoid it, he should avoid it as much as possible. And in situations where he does does have chavos, he should try to deal with them as quickly as possible. The mentality of just rolling over, you know, you know, pay back Peter to, to you know, to, you know, that kind of thing. It is not, is not, is not, is not, is not correct. It's not a right way of living. It's an incorrect way of living. And in particular, by the way, in, in terms of raising children, it's a very important thing in raising children to give children a sense of 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 not uh, not developing debt at a very young age, they should understand that the, that the, uh, I hate to use the words, but a certain degree of fiscal responsibility, right? and uh, you have to watch it very much, you know. Yeah, because no, because children because children have a tendency of believing that everything is a one-way street anyway, so uh, they can fall into the trap. So it's, uh, it's something you have to watch. I mean, the Chazanish talks about it very much. Chazanish talks about it even in extreme form. But the Chazanish speaks about it in his letters about people that want to stay in learning. They want to still stay in Kolo and they want to keep on learning. And they incur debts that they don't know any way of how to pay it back. And therefore they start this cycle of you borrow from this one to pay this one. And it starts that cycle. The Chazanish says even if it's for the sake of learning, it's not right. A person is not allowed to take out a debt if he doesn't know how he's supposed to, how he can pay it back. Now, if a person is thrust into a life-endangering situation and he has expenses or he has medical needs, he doesn't have a choice about it. But to establish a way of living where you're constantly just rolling over one credit card on the other and things like that, that's that's not that's not right. It's not to, it's drawing chavos. The drawing loans is not considered a, a very positive thing for the person to be doing with himself. Is it a, a wife's responsibility to pay back the debt to the husband? You know, if the husband's living like that, the wife's not working, but the husband's living like that, does she have that obligation to, to meet his debts? Does a wife have an obligation to meet her husband's debts? Well, I mean, do you understand the question? Uh, I mean, not if, completely. If, if he, if if the the husband is in a way of of living and working where he's robbing people, <coughs> of the call, 
does she have an does she just sit back and allow that to continue, or does she have an obligation to go out to uh, help stop that cycle by contributing, pay back those debts? Well, what I would say, what I would say is that if a person has, if it's a problem, in other words, if it's a problem in terms of how the person is dealing with their income, in other words, that if if the debts to begin with, or the continuation, or the or the piling up of debts is an indication of poor fiscal policy on the part of the husband, I, uh, it would be better for the wife to deal with that problem instead of paying back the debts because what she'll find herself doing is, is just feeding the problem mm-hmm. instead of solving the problem. But in a very strict halachic sense, a woman doesn't have the responsibility to pay back debts of, of the husband. No, I mean, in a strict halachic sense, it definitely isn't that way. No, it's not that way in a strict halachic sense. I mean, but not everything is in the halachic sense. If a, if a husband is, is not behaving in any irresponsible fiscal way, but he just can't manage to keep up with everything, so, you know, the fact that the woman, you know, the, the lady in the house says, I'm sorry, I don't have this responsibility, go knock your own head in the wall, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a smart thing to do. I mean, if it's... Uh, if you're dealing with two responsible individuals that see each other's problems as to be a problem together, so then obviously it's a different it's a different thing. But from a strict halachic sense point of view, no, the woman's not required to carry the, her husband's debts. No, not at all. I want to ask, give me a perspective repeating what you, you said earlier, but I thought it was really a good point that you made several weeks ago, and that is, even in a husband and wife team, somebody can have different needs. You can have a Different needs than your spouse, and it's important to get together and be of one mind. What is basic necessity for you, and what is basic necessity for me? Yeah, we dealt with that. Uh, yeah. I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, and the Torah and the Chavos Habavos says so. The fact that I select the harder way of getting the same money is is is, is a foolishness, <coughs> and it's a crime because I'm, I'm misusing time that it could have been well spent in another way. Now, and the Chavos HaVavos adds to this, and the Chavos HaVavos says, and what would be if you would be doing it the right way? If you would be doing it the right way, He's saying something which is very interesting. Just in logical equation, I select to kill myself to get that which I could have gotten without exertion. Right? Now let's... let's Let's stack the cards here on both sides. Right. <coughs> Let's stack the cards on both sides. Right. Besides the foolishness, and besides the fact that I'm wasting that I'm wasting precious time, the Chavos is saying yet another dimension. There's another consideration. If I wouldn't be wasting this time, listen carefully to how tricky this is. If I wouldn't be wasting this time, I would be using my time better in other areas. So the Chavos HaVavos says like this, and the time that I would be using better in those other areas, wants to give it to me, so then I would get it easier. I would be able to spend more time in, in more, more worthwhile areas instead of just knocking away at the typewriter for another few hours. And by the very fact that I would be spending the rest of my time in a more worthwhile way, that would in fact be guaranteeing me 
of, of those extras. It would be preparing me better to be worthy of the, those extras. So it's very conceivable that when I say to myself, I want to secure it for myself, I knock myself down a level and I can't even get as much as Hashem wanted to give me in extras. In other words, by saying that I want to secure it, so therefore I define that I'm not going to have any time for chesed this week. So then now when Hashem looks at me and says, why should I give this person the extra? He's not worth anything to give him the extra. So it works the exact opposite. Right? It works exactly the opposite. So you work less, you do better things with your time, and the end of all of that, of working less and doing better things with your time, is that in the end you have more too. Right. So that's what the Chayvah Sabavis is saying over here. So the whole thing doesn't make any sense. See, this is the difference. This is the perfect example. This is the perfect example that we have when scientists start patching with, when they start fooling around with the environment. You know, Hashem establishes the environment in one particular way, and then the scientist says, yeah, but we think that if there would be worms here, the environment would be better. And little do they know that they set the whole thing wacky. Right? And it's the same thing in our lives also. You know? And this is really what Solomon the King says. Shlomo Melch says it in Ecclesiastes very clearly. He says, Hashem made the person straight. And a person can walk through life on a straight path. And they wanted to complicate their lives with all kinds of different things. We complicate our lives for ourselves in many ways. Right? And that's what the Chavis Havaris is pointing out. <coughs> and he brings a pasuk, he brings a, a verse to prove this, because it says in Mishlei in Proverbs, In the right of Hashem comes longevity, and with the left of Hashem is comes into the world richness and 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 pride and respect, as if to say that there is plenty. Hashem can, can provide you with the honor and with the respect and the pride that you you are searching. Right? And it comes from his hand, not from your hand. <coughs> in another Pasuk it says, that all of the richness and all of the honor that people have is in front of you and you give it out. So it's there, you want it, it's there, he can give it to you. Right. Now, the Chavos Havavos here points out that we know that money comes to people in many different ways. One person can have a windfall profit, he can have it coming to him in an inheritance, and another person only gets it through a lot of hard work. And we make the mistake of assuming that I only got it because of my hard work. While we know that there are many different ways of getting it. There are many different ways of getting it. It depends on, it depends on the particular channel that, that Hashem has established. The Kamalu Daima Bezela Adam, and how similar is this person to the person Bemid, where he's in a desert, and he got very thirsty, and he finds water that is not sweet, the bar echad in a pit. The sameach lev simcha gedayla v'rabba mehem. And he's very happy with this dirty water that he has found, and he satiates himself with the dirty water. The chashahalach na'at, and if he would have only walked a little bit more, 
he finds a fresh spring of water, an oasis in the desert, sweet waters, the dog, and then he has tremendous pain and worry that he, he filled his stomach with the bad water from before. Now when he sees the Mayan Oveya, now when he sees the good spring of water, right, he says to himself, well now I'm not thirsty anymore, oh I'd love to drink this, this good water, but I already filled myself up on the garbage water from before, so I don't even have the ability to drink this good water anymore. So to the Chayvah says, we do that so many times to ourselves in our lives, where Hashem could provide for us fresh water, clean water, good water in the right time and the right amount. And instead, we're not patient enough to wait for it, or we're scared to wait for it, and we don't have trust that Hashem is going to give it to us if it's, if it's destined. And we substitute, and we take anything. We take even Mayan Rhyme, even waters that take tremendous sacrifice, and that aren't even good waters for us. Right? And then we come to realize that we could have had the same and better, and not have had to fill ourselves up with that poor water. Just using this as an analogy. This, is, this particular analogy extends itself into many, many things. It's, 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 it's part of, of, uh, of, um, of not much disillusionment with life, this little analogy of the colors of others. In our impatience and in our insecurity of, of, of not getting that which we want so much, we sometimes compromise and take second best and third best because we're afraid that if we'll wait, we won't get it at all. Mm-hmm. And therefore we swallow the second grade and third grade waters and then we come to realize that if we would have only waited a little bit we would have had much finer quality stuff and by that time it's pointless already we're already filled with the other stuff so we can't even use the better stuff and that's a big frustration and this is excuse me well in this you don't realize it's out of impatience until something better comes along or things are really... Okay, that's a good question. In terms of the Chayvah itself, okay, the Chayvah is saying it in regards to working in the excesses of money. Mm-hmm. And the excesses of money, it goes back to the definition of basic human need or excesses. It's very simple here. And, and the concept there is that if the excess was destined to you, it would come as a wellspring. It wouldn't come to you as dirty water, right? That's in the Chavos Abravos. I've taken the liberty of broadening this, that this is true in, in many situations of life. And the question that comes up is, how do I know? How do I know? And that's in each, in, in each area, in each area you have to deal with it in specifically to that area. There's no one answer for all areas. You know, in Tzidukim, there's one way of answering it. In terms of Parnassah, there are other ways of answering it. It really depends what you're dealing with, right? But but the concept, uh, in other words, the person knowing the concept, it's very, it's, it's put down in our Chazal very clearly, al kitzchek et In other words, don't try, try to push time. Don't try to make something that's supposed to happen earlier or later, something that's supposed to happen later happen earlier. Don't, don't push. Don't push time. And usually a good indication, a good indication <coughs> that we're impatient is where we try very hard to get something and it just doesn't happen for us. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And, and because I'm, I'm so frustrated that it's not happening when I believe it's supposed to happen, 
I use that as a basis to compromise that which I'm looking for. In other words, I'm going out there and I'm looking for something, right? And I make a determination when I want it. Because if I don't make the determination and I say to myself it will happen when Hashem gives it to me, I won't become frustrated. If I do become frustrated, it's only because I've maintained, I've established in my own mind that this is when I have to have it. So when we find ourselves up against the wall of I'm not getting it the way I want it, right, so then what does the frustrated person do? Then the frustrated person acts like a person that's in a corner. So he tries every which way out, even if it means to compromise. Right? It's usually when the person can identify that the decisions that he's making is because of the frustration of it not happening when, it's, when he believes it's supposed to happen. Those are usually the situations where I'm drinking the bad water and not having the patience for the good water. In other words, there's a concept. You have to know how to apply it in each area. But there is a concept that when a person knocks himself against the wall and no matter what happens, it doesn't happen, there is a concept that the person stands back and says, it obviously wasn't meant to happen yet. I'll do my responsibility to keep the channels open for it to happen when it's supposed to happen. I'm not going to shut down completely. But at the same time, the frustration of not, it not happening when it's supposed to happen shouldn't push me up against the wall. I shouldn't push me up against the wall in compromising in areas that really shouldn't be compromised. Now, in areas which shouldn't be compromised. Now, that changes from thing to thing. In a shidduch, it might be one thing. In Parnas, it might be another thing. In terms of, of principles and values and morals and ethics, it might be another thing. In each area, it's a different thing. So it's hard to give a specific answer. But usually when I'm operating out of the frustration of it not happening, and therefore only because of the frustration I compromise, that's when you have to worry about this. That you might come someday to realize that you swallowed water that wasn't clean, and if you would have only waited a little longer, you would have had water that would have satiated just as well, and you would have enjoyed it a lot better. It's unfortunately true in many, many things in life. Yes. What if you have just the rebirth? You are going along a path and <coughs> you are satisfied with that path, but others around you, whom you respect, say, you should follow this other path. And you say, no, I'm following this path. This is the path that's meant for me. And it happens that for whatever reasons that God wills, this channel is open that you should follow this path that all these other people are telling you that you should follow. Do you follow your own path or do you take the path that's now open? Right, I, again, that's uh, it's a, it's a question which is general in nature, which I can only answer in general. And my answer would be, my answer would be that that in the same way that in many things we look towards professional opinion before we make decisions, right, so too we should be applying that to personal paths in our lives as well. In other words, let's draw the parallel. Uh, you walk into a doctor, a specialist, and the doctor says, I believe that you need such a therapy. <coughs> right? And it is open for you, it is available. Right? There's a machine available, the people are available. And I think that this is the way you should go. So you take off your glasses and you look the doctor squarely in the eye and say, but that's not my opinion. 
That's your opinion. It's not my opinion. Now, obviously, that's that's unheard of. People don't do that. Why? Because there's there's an admission of the fact that there are people that are professional in the field, and that if I feel or think or want to do it one way, that doesn't stand up as strongly to, to an opinion which is an authentic professional opinion. And you'll never tell that to a doctor, that's your opinion, but my opinion is differently. Because you recognize the difference, he's coming from a professional point of view, he's got experience and he has knowledge which might, might have a lot to do with the way he thinks, which I might not be in contact with. So I'm willing to accept his professional opinion even though it doesn't coincide with what my gut feeling is in this situation. And the same thing is true, especially in, in, in paths of spiritual growth, the exact same concept exists. When there are people around you that tell you this channel is open and go this channel, and you don't want to go this channel, you want to go a different channel, you have to ask yourself the same question. Are these people authentic people? Are they, are they expressing an experienced professional opinion? And if they are, the same way that you would accept it from a doctor, you'd have to accept it. Now, if you think that the doctor is a poor diagnostician, so you're not going to accept it, but you'll get a second opinion. Right? And it's the same thing when it comes to a path in life as well. There are professionals. There are people that have experience. If you feel that they don't understand your particular situation, it's poor diagnosis, so get a second opinion. But the, the idea that I'm going to do it my way, right, is something which is not acceptable in, in, in a lot of areas of our lives. The only place we, we somehow uh, uh, apply it is when it comes to Yiddishkeit, when it comes to Judaism. In, in everything else, we'll look for the pro for professional opinion. But when it comes to Yiddishkeit, I'm very sorry. When it comes to Judaism, I've got to do it my way. Why? The, the concept of professionalism and the concept of experience is, is just as qualified in terms of Judaism as it is in anything else in medicine or in any, in any other thing. And that's what you have to ask yourself. Do these people understand you? Are they authentic? Are they knowledgeable? Do they have the experience? And very conceivably, even if these people don't qualify, others might. So just like you go for a second opinion, you would at least be obliged to go for a second opinion in that kind of a situation. Those situations you were talking about where a person just jumps into the, the first thing that he sees, are those the kinds of things that are not the shared? So there are certain things that are the shared and some things are not. Even though I said that today. Thank you, Ted. Well, we, we discussed it a little bit earlier this evening, where the fact that a person doesn't want that Hashem should be totally involved, and the person makes a statement that I'd like to secure it for myself, then Hashem stands back and says, go ahead, secure it in the ways in the way that human beings secure it. Right. So that is... Excuse me? But it wouldn't be what God no. would want for it. Oh, okay. Then no. No. Okay, let's continue on. The chen bala mamen, and so too, when it, in regards to mamen, she yigiel of the siba yidua. If, and, it, and the money came to him by a specific method. Ilu haisun ninas ha-siba hi nimenu even if that particular method would have been, it would, would not have been the one that would have come his way, it would have come a different way. So the notion that it's only going to come one way, and therefore I got to run into this particular way of doing it, 
is not acceptable. It's like the person that looks at the dirty water and says, I don't think that there's going to be any clean water. Right? And only finds later on that there are other ways. And this is the concept of Bitachan. Kasherik Damnu. And this is the Pasigin Shmuel. Ki ein la Hashem matzar la Hashem, nothing holds back Hashem from saving if it's by large armies or by small armies. Every possibility is open. Now, this is all when things go well. But what happens if you apply all of these things and you have the trust and everything is, you know, you know you're following it to the letter of the law, you reviewed the tapes 15 times and it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. So now the Chavos HaPavos gives us something to deal with. He says, now, and when a person really has trust in Hashem, when he comes to a situation in his life where it's not happening, he can't make the ends meet. Right? He has a low period. He's not selling anything. It's not going his right way. So then what is he supposed to think to himself? How does he do I, Everything I'm doing right, and it's still not working the way I want it to work. <coughs> Yaimer Belibai, he should say to himself, Ki Asher Tziani Elayla Mazeb Bizman Yadua, the same Hashem that took me, brought me out into this world at a designated moment, the Ace Yadua, and in a, at a known moment, and he didn't bring me out of this, take me out into this world, not at an earlier moment or a later moment, who Shema'akat Mimeni Batirfi La Ace Yadua Vayom Yadua. He's the one that is also determining for me the precise time when I should have pranasa and when I shouldn't have pranasa. Now, Ladatai, with his knowledge, Mashutai, what's good for me? Now, here the Chavos Havavis is saying something which is very interesting. I don't know how much it does to calm a person's emotions of not having, but he's saying something which is very interesting. It's one of the things that the human being believes he's in control of is time. We walk around with that mishigas in our heads. That we're in control of time. And the truth of the matter is that in many ways we're not in control of time. And the Chavos HaVavos proves it. Did you have anything to say about when you were going to be born? You didn't have a word to say about that. And Hashem determined it. When you were going to be born, not a moment earlier, not a moment later. Where you would be when you'd be born. Where you would go. These are all things that are outside of your realm. So what the Chalas Havavis is trying to give us a sense of is that there's a concept of time and place which this is Hashem's realm in deciding for us. We would like to believe, we would like to believe that once we're here, we're in total control of when and if it's supposed to happen. That's all part of that old personality clash. Once I'm here, I'm in control. And if I'm not in control of all of the particulars, I'm at least in control of when it's going to happen. And that's what the Chayva Sabavis is trying to say. When a person is going through a difficult time, sometimes he has and sometimes he doesn't have, so then what is the question? The question is why, why in other words, I don't think that this is the right time for me not to have. I don't think any time is not the time for me not to have. But in other words, it's a question of timing. What's the timing? What's the logic here? So the Chavos this is saying timing is something which is very beyond human comprehension. In other words, the significance of timing, the interplay of 
of timing and how it works to develop us when we have and when we don't have, when something happens. You know, there are a lot of things that happen in our lives, but when they happen in our lives also has meaning, you know? Somebody could be exposed to a horrible, horrible event when he's two years old. A person can be destined to be exposed to the horrible event when he's 15. And it can make a world of a difference when it happens. So there, in other words, the concept of... See, in other words, it, what, what the Chavos Havavos is trying to develop over here is that the human being doesn't only develop by what happens, but when it happens as well. It's not only what happens, but when it happens. In other words, the fact that I go on a long stream of success and then all of a sudden I plummet down is different than a person that never got off the ground to begin with. They're two different kinds of challenges. So it's not only when, in other words, the person that's had success for four months and then all of a sudden goes bust, is, is, is one circumstance. The person that never really got off the ground to begin with is another circumstance. Now Hashem, so you don't say that Hashem decided on both these people that they shouldn't have. There was another decision besides not having. When this person would experience not having. When this person would experience not having. So it's not only what happens, but when it happens. So what the Chavos Avavis is saying over here is that when we deal with the concept of trust, and this is taking it one level deeper, that when we deal with the concept of trust, the concept of trust is not only that what we get is from Hashem, but when we get it is also from Hashem. That's what the Chavos Avavis is saying. In other words, sometimes we can work with the formula that that which we do get, it's from Hashem. But when? Maybe that's up to me. So the Chavos Avavis is saying no. In the depths of Bitachon, what I get and when I get it are all determined by the same source. And that's what the Chavos Avavis is saying. So the person that's presented with ups and downs, right? So he might, the person might very well uh, subscribe to the concept that Hashem is the source, but not, might not necessarily subscribe to the concept that Hashem is the source of the timing. And the Chavos Avavis is saying over here that ultimate Bitachon means that I don't have only bitachin in the source in terms of what I get, but when I get it also. Hashem is the source of the timing as well. Right. That's what the Chalas Havavis is saying over here. <coughs> now, if you'll ask yourself the question, why should... In other words, if you want to tell me that Hashem is the source of everything, I, could, I can understand that because Hashem creates everything and Hashem is in control of everything. But what does that have to do with the timing? What does that have to do with the timing? So... Again, it's the same thing. Because what did the Chavos HaVavah say? What is the legitimacy of Bitachon? The legitimacy of Bitachon is not only based on the fact that Hashem is the source of everything. The legitimacy of Bitachon is built on many, many components. It's built on the component that Hashem understands what's good for me. It's built on the component that Hashem has total ability to give it to me. He can overcome barriers. And He can give it to me and He can protect it by me. And He knows my entire life. And he knows what's good for me at every stage of my life. You remember all seven points? Now, if you take all seven points in consideration, review them in your mind for a moment, you'll come to realize that those seven points are as legitimate in building the concept of trust in tithing as they are in building the concept of what Hashem gives me. Those seven concepts which we use, in other words, that the Chavos Havavah says, if you would find them in a person, you trust the person. So if you find them in Hashem, trust Hashem. Review them in your mind for a moment. Right? I don't want to review them because I'm afraid my voice will go out. But if you review them in your mind for a moment, 
all of those seven are just as legitimate in creating a trust of timing as they are in creating the trust in the source, in the material itself. They're not two different things. But again, this is the fascinating human struggle. If there's one little piece of turf that I can believe is only mine and not Hashem's, I'll try to grab that piece of turf. So even after I'm willing to say that it comes from Hashem, but Hashem, leave me over the little piece that I should know when it's supposed to come, that I should be in control of the time. And this is what the Chayvah Slavah is saying, it's not that way. You, the human nature wants to struggle for that turf. But the truth of the matter is, what it is and when it is, are both the uh, Hashem, they're both in the hands of Hashem. It's like with the thing of Hamela, wanting to know, you know, he kept asking Hashem, what am I going to die? Right? And Hashem never, I mean, he wanted that little piece. Hashem never told him. Yes, Helen. Can you relate that a little bit to me in terms of free choice? Because what you're saying is so, your path is already cut out for you in a sense. Well, the answer, okay, the answer to your question in the simplest form is that at any point in the timing, you have to do your best with the circumstances. In other words, you might not be in control to change them, but you've got to do your darndest to do your best at any particular point in time. If after you do your darndest, it doesn't change, then you have the right to say that it's not in the timing for it to change at that point. And the only thing that Hashem intended for me to do at this point was to try my best. In other words, the fact that after I try my best, I don't necessarily succeed at this moment, doesn't mean that Hashem didn't w- is not interested in what I've tried to do. Hashem is interested in what I'm trying to do. But it's not necessarily... Uh, see, we live in a fast food society. And we believe that what we try to do, we have to be instantly successful with it. Again, the struggle for timing. Right? And the fact, what, what we can do, what we know is the following. We have to do our best. If after doing our best it doesn't happen as fast or as well as we would like it to happen, then we have the right to say that the timing is in Hashem's hands. But we only have the right to say that the timing is in Hashem's hands if we can prove that we've done our best within that, in that, within that situation. Now, why the timing is the way it is, right, that's really trying to play Hashem. That's not playing human being. Our function, our function is to know that Hashem is not looking at us in terms of what we've defined to be the timing, but Hashem is looking at us in terms of our doing the best at any particular, trying to do our best at the particular time. See, what we do is we want things, we establish times for them, and then when we don't have have them, we say that Hashem didn't want them for us altogether. And what it really can very well be is that you're just misinterpreting what Hashem wants for you at this point in time. Hashem wants you to struggle. Hashem wants you to work as hard as you can. But the timing is not yet right for it to, be, to go full-blown. The time is not yet right. right. Why is the time not right? There can be many, many reasons why the time is not yet right. But this is the concept of trusting in timing. Sometimes trusting in timing is more difficult than trust in the, in the, in the material itself. In other words, to believe that the buck comes from Hashem is sometimes not so difficult to believe. But why it's coming, not when I wanted it, not when I needed it, but at a different time, that sometimes is much, much harder for the person to deal with. 
And that's what the Chayla Salvadis is saying here. I wasn't even thinking of it in terms of money. I no, I, I, I know what you were thinking about, but uh, but I'm just saying that the attitude has to be that we shouldn't define what we've established in our own minds as the time frame as being that which Hashem should want, and if Hashem didn't make it happen, so then it's a proof that Hashem didn't want the whole thing. That's not right, because we don't have a right to assume that we know Hashem's time frame. We know ours, but then, you know, we very, very... Uh, very comfortably say, well, this is the proper time frame. Hashem, this is the proper time frame. Now, if it doesn't happen, Hashem doesn't want the whole thing. This is a mistake. We don't have, we don't have ways of proving that which, that which I believe is the proper time frame is what it should be in Hashem's eyes. And then if it doesn't happen in this time frame, say, well, it's not going to happen at all. Right? This is the same story of the bad water with the good water. It again goes back to bad water, good water. Right? I'm walking through the desert. I believe that I should have the water at this very moment. And therefore, even if it's bad water, it must be that it was meant to be this water and not other water. But if there's trust in a time frame, that even though I have one time frame, Hashem might have another time frame, maybe you would have walked, walked another few steps and found the other water. You follow what I'm saying? So, it's, it's a very delicate thing, this time frame business. Yeah. So, how, how do you legitimately... How do you say it again? It's a very good question. Say it again. How do you legitimately daven for anything that has within a, a certain time frame? If timing is all up to Hashem, but you have specific means, say by X date, you've got to have something, be it like a fula or things are really going to go downhill, or let's say it's a money problem. You, you know what I would say? I, I, I know it's a, it's a very broad statement, but I really think that when a person davens to Hashem, he cannot just put time frames into his tefillah. No. That the thing is a need? Yes. That he needs it and that he's davening for it and, and, and evaluating the needs and reevaluating the needs and trying to discuss it with Hashem and explain to Hashem why he needs it and what, they will, what he will do or what she will do with it. That's all appropriate. But to say to Hashem, and now that I've finished my case, okay, you have 30 days net. The whole music, the whole concept of establishing a time for it, is, I, I really think that it's outside of, 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 of human definition. I really think so. It's just a gut feeling that I have, that, it's, that the person, now a person can say to Hashem that the situation is getting worse and worse, and it's hurting more and more, and it's disturbing my avodas Hashem. Now please make it easier because I can't take it if it's going to get much worse. That's fine, but to define a specific thing in Hashem and say.